now bring you the Making Much of Jesus podcast featuring the late Dr. Jack Hudson, the founding pastor of the Northside Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And now today's edition of the Making Much of Jesus podcast. this morning let's turn if you will please to the book of second thessalonians second thessalonians and uh, we'll read just a verse or two there that's page 1272 in your Schofield bibles the book of second thessalonians chapter number two we'll begin reading it verse number one now we beseech you brethren by the coming of our lord jesus christ and by our gathering together unto him that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled. Now I want you to get those words before you turn. That you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled. Now stop there before you read on. Listen to me. Have you ever known a time when people are more troubled and shaken than they are now? You don't know where to buy that house or not buy it. You don't know where to change jobs or not change. You don't know where to go in debt or not go in debt. You don't know where to borrow money or not borrow money. Business is a standstill. People don't know what to do. Have you ever known a time when people, I'm ta talking about just economically, have you ever seen a time when people are as emotionally disturbed and shaken as they are right now? Have you ever known a time when people are having the conflicts in their families as they are now? Husbands and wives and, and parents and children, brothers and sisters at odds, like this world has never known before. The entire world seems to be rumbling and shaking together, and there's something going. Now listen to what he says. That you're not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Now listen carefully. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition." I have called my message this morning simply the world's greatest con man. Now let me explain what that means. Most of you know, but let me be sure we all begin on the same premise. Now, the word con man or con comes from the word confidence. They call confidence men. So they just to shorten it, abbreviate it a little, and became con men. Now a con man is a man who works like this. He gains your confidence. You read in the paper all the time, here's a widowed lady. Somebody comes, well-dressed, knock on the door. They may say, for example, I'm from the bank. Uh, we want to check your bank record. We found that you have more money than you thought. Well, they gain her confidence. Then they may say, and I'm not sure of all exactly how they do, but they may say, now, in order for you to, you draw out that money and hand it to us, and we'll in turn do this. And, of course, they do the old, you know, routine that they, they put their, her money in a bag and they shuffle it a couple of times to hand her back her bag and say, we'll be back in a few minutes and they're gone. They have conned her out of the money. But first they had to gain her confidence. Now these are not robbers. These are not men who put guns on people. They go to widows and they say this, you know, maybe they find someone and they say, look, we found the money and if you put up some money with us, we'll put it together and how anybody can fall for that, I never have quite understood except these people gain their confidence. Now, beloved, God said that the devil is a con man. The Bible says the devil is the greatest confidence man of all the ages. He's the greatest con man who's ever lived. The problem is today he's conning even born-again believers. He's gaining them, taking them into their confidence, so to speak, and then he's selling them a bill of goods that's going to take away from them the blessings of God, 
the blessings that God wants for their homes and the blessing that God wants upon their spiritual life. In other words, the devil is conning people today right and left. Listen to what it says. Let no man deceive you by any means. It means by any means whatsoever. Don't be deceived. Now the word deceive can be translated con, con man or confidence. Don't let any man gain your confidence. Deceive means literally to be pleasantly fooled. Never is it spoken of being robbed. Never is it spoken of like somebody takes a knife or a gun and holds it upon you. It's not, as the world says today, it's not being ripped off. That's not the thought at all. Rather, it's somebody gaining your confidence and then as a result of it, stealing from you that which is sacred and that which is holy and righteous. Now notice what he's saying, if you will. The first thing that you need to understand is don't let the devil fool you about this age. Now think about what I'm saying. We're living in an age today of the super churches, living in an age today of so many things that people are going around all the time thinking that we're living in the modern day utopia. Beloved, that is a lie of the devil. The Bible has this to say in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now listen to what he said again. In the latter days... That's the latter days of the church age, the church in which you and I are living, the church age. In the latter days, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, the teaching of the devil. They're going to listen to the, because they have been seduced, pleasantly fooled, because the devil has gained their confidence. He is going to lead them away from the faith and they'll stand out there with the liberalism of this world, and they're going to look back to the fundamental church, and they're going to be in league with Satan and stand against the organized, fundamental, God-believing, Bible-preaching church today. Don't you be deceived by this age, brother. This age today is so liberal that they're saying, in essence, we don't want God anymore. And so they pull themselves away. They're making their own laws. They're electing people who will make the laws that will absolutely rule God out of their life. Don't you be conned into it. Don't you be fooled by it in what they're doing. The Bible says again in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. This know also that in the last days, that's the last days of the church, perilous times shall come. Now the Lord said first, in the latter days, they're going to depart from the faith because they've been fooled by seducing spirits and doctrines of the devil. In the latter days, know this also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And God begins a long list and description of what's going to happen. The Bible says in, uh, you remember there in the Gospel of Luke, it says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be as in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Now, I've spoken to you along these lines uh, recently, but I want you to look with me. We did not look in, in Genesis chapter number 6. I want you to look there for just a minute. I want you to recognize the footprint, so to speak. I want you to hear the satanic hiss of Satan so that you can recognize it and not be deceived. Now remember, as it was in the days of Noah, and as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be as in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. God says the church will go through a time just like this. Notice, if you will, they absolutely disregarded God's rules for marriage. The Bible says uh, there were giants in the earth. I'm reading now in Genesis chapter 6. 
Uh, let's see, in, let's become verse number one. Uh, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they took and that they were fair, and they took them wives of all they chose. Now notice, if you will, down in verse 4. There were giants in the earth, that is, giant intellectually in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children of them. Now, I want you to notice the one thing that happened there. The first one says they took them wives, indicating they got married. The next one says that the sons of men came into the daughters, uh, sons of God came to the daughters of men. It meant that they had children apart from a marriage. Now, beloved, God said this was exactly what's going to happen. Again, I say to you, and then it says up here, there were giants in the earth. In other words, giants, intellectual giants, men of great learning. They're the ones that's going to pass the law. They're the ones who are going to get on the television programs. They're the ones that's going to get up there and say the morals of the Bible are old-fashioned. They're puritanical. They're no good for our day. The thing to do is live free. The thing to do is, is, is express yourself. Have a good time. Do what you want to. And God says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be as in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Notice another one. They, they disregarded God's rules for sex. Now, the Bible says they disregarded it here. Had we time to turn on over for a little bit. Now I must say these. I must say this. I must warn you of it. You are not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. I must warn you of it. In Lot's day the Bible says that the angels came. And when they came down the men of, of that city were so, uh, so filled with lust. They had gone so far away from God that nothing was sacred and holy to them. They had long since forgotten marriage. They laughed at it. They were living in the playboy philosophy age like we've never seen it before. When these angels came to the house, the men began to beat upon, the men of the city began to beat on the, on the door, and they said, send these men out that we may know them. And uh, 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 Lot came to the door, and he said, I have two daughters in here who have never known man. In other words, they were virgins. He said, take them and do with them what you want to. Satisfy, spend your lust upon them. But they said, not so, but we want those two men that we may know them. What they were saying is, we want those two men that we might perform an act of homosexuality with them. Beloved, today we're living in an age that's recognized homosexual preachers, homosexual deacons, homosexual congregations. Homosexuality now is being contested to where they should be in the army or not. And God Almighty thundered back in that day as it was in the days of Lot so shall it be as in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Again, he said, they disregarded God's rule for the law. Look what it said. It says in verse number 5, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Not just wickedness, but it was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Look in the margin of what that means. Or the whole imagination... The Hebrew word signifies not only the imagination, but also every purpose and desire. That's all they thought about. Their only purpose, their only desire was to do evil. Now look down at verse 11. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Literally the word there, filled with rebellion. Beloved, what a picture of the age in which we're living. Now the Bible says they disregarded God's rule for worship. It says there in, in, the, in the book of Luke, it says they married and gave and married. They bought and they sold and they built. 
In other words, there was a period written over the top of it, the word unconcerned. Have you ever known the church, have you ever known this world to be as, con as little concerned about the morals? Have you ever seen people as little concerned about the wickedness that goes on in our city? Many of you sit and watch your television now on things that five years ago would have turned your stomach. Some of you watch things on television now that ten years ago that you would have fallen on your face and cried out to God forgiving you for even having such a thought. Some of you talk about things and discuss things and go to places and allow your children to go places that two or three years ago you would have said it's an ungodly thing, it's an awful thing, it never should have been done. When some of you were little boys and girls and some of you would have looked at some of you daddies in the eyes and said, son, are you a man? And you said, no, sir, I'm a boy. But one day I'm going to be a man. One day I'm going to hold my shoulders square. And one day I'm going to play football or I'm going to play baseball. And some of you have gotten so sissified and ossified and petrified, you wear your hair just like a woman. And some of you are so sissified you hadn't got the backbone to tell your boy to go to the barbershop and get a haircut because you want to conform to the standards of this world. There's no concern for God. There's no concern for God's word. There's no concern for God's morals. There's no concern for anything else seemingly in the word of God anymore. I want you to know, brother, the greatest deceiver this world has ever known is not a man that'll go out and rob a widow. It's not a man that'll go down to an old woman and take her life savings. They're almost to be respected compared to a person who gives their confidence over to the devil and the devil whispers in their ear, it's all right. Brother, he's already whispered that lie. He whispered that lie in the book of Genesis when he said to, uh, to Eve, did God really say that? Yea, hath God said? Did God really mean that? Why, why don't you listen to the liberal philosophy? Why don't you, after all, all these things are too cut and dried. Live like you want to live. And some of you have your children in public school where every ungodly thing goes on is said and done. I had a man and he's sitting right here. He said his daughter wore a dress to school one day and the girls pulled up her dress until she was too ashamed to go back. I've had people right here in the church to tell me their children in the public school and their children would not and could not because of their safety go to the restroom till they got home. And yet you're paying on color televisions and paying on brand new automobiles and buying the latest clothes and sending your children to an ungodly public school. Beloved, something's happened to America and I'll tell you what it is. The devil has taken you into his confidence and he's won your listening ear and he's sold you a bill of good and you're going to end up one day with tears in your eyes saying, my God, preacher, where did I go wrong? Listen, beloved, we need to realize he's a con artist. He's a con man. He doesn't necessarily bother the widows. He doesn't necessarily bother the old ladies that can't figure out figures and trying to, through their greed, make a little extra money. He's after your life and he's after your soul and he's after the life of your boys and girls. We need to wake up and understand it. We're living in an age today where he's deceived us about our own participation. We've been lulled, brother, by the devil into a thing of where most of us are just spectators. Why, the television today, uh, they'll have 22 men out on the field. There may be 40, 50, 60, 70, maybe even 80,000 people sitting in the grandstand watching them and maybe 40 million people watching on television, watching those 22 men so who can, um, you know, butt heads and so on like that. I'm simply saying we're an age of spectators. We're an age of people that's watching. And we sit there with arms folded and say, let everybody else do it. Brother, that's of the devil. I believe that God whispers in your ear, said there's a job for you to do. 
And if you do, do, if you do not do your job, it won't get done. And unless your job gets done, somebody's going to suffer for it. It's like playing football and they put a man out there to guard. And he doesn't guard. The man gets by him. He goes and makes a touchdown. And they win the game because he didn't do his job. The whole team loses. The whole team sits there in tears because one man didn't do his job. Beloved, do you think God's got a team where people can sit down? God never called you to spectate. God called you to participate. And God wants every one of us doing something. And if you're not doing anything for God actively, I'll guarantee you've been conned by the devil. You've listening, listened to his silky voice and said, you don't have to get involved. You're not made that way. That's not what my hang-up is. I'm just not gifted that way. Beloved, I want you to know that God has given every one of us a gift and God wants us to do something for him. And I'll tell you, I believe the devil has conned us many people about their churches. I talk to people, I, I, I'd say, honestly, I'll say this every day, every day. If I'd miss one day, then I'd get three or four the next day and I'd make up so I can virtually say at least every day. I have somebody to say, Brother Hudson, we listen to the broadcast, we watch the television, we pray for you. My, we're so proud of your church out there. And then I say, well, where do you go to church? And they'll name some dead, cold church. They'll name a church that never has won a soul, at least in years and years and years. And the thought comes into my mind, then why in the name of God do they keep going? Why is it that they'll go and put their money into that church? Why is it when somebody tells them, asking the question, where do you go to church? They have to name a dead church. That never reaches anybody for Jesus Christ. I'll tell you why. The devil sold them a bill of good. The devil's whispered into the ear and said, it's all right. After all, you know, your, your friends are over here. After all, over here, you see, it's a little more socially prominent, perhaps. Over here, you don't have to get involved. I'll tell you exactly why there's a lot of people not in fundamental, independent, Bible-preaching churches. It's because the devil sold them a bill of goods. And he tells you, as long as you got your name on a church roll, you're all right. Brother, that's a lie of the devil. You've got to be born again. The Bible says, by far by grace are you saved through grace and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God and not of works lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which is before ordained that we should walk in them. God says, when you're saved, you're going to work for Jesus. And when you're saved and going to work for Jesus, you want in a place where you can work. And when you're saved, you want to work for Jesus. You want a place in where you can work and you want a place where you can conserve the fruits of your evangelism. I've had men say to me, Brother Hudson, when I have guests to visit me, I bring them out to your church. I don't want to take them over to our church. I had a prominent man say to me not long ago, well, how are the services on Sunday? I said, praise the Lord, brother. God bless and God save soul. I said, how was yours? I just said it as a matter of fact. Here's what that man said to me. He said, ours was awful. He said, ours were awful. I wish I'd have had the nerve to say, well, man, why do you go to it then? I'll tell you why. The devil sold him a bill of goods. The devil made him his confidence man, and he's whispered in his ear and sold him whatever it was that keeps him there, for the devil knows all of our weaknesses. And very quickly, I want you to see this. I think the devil has deceived us about what the church really means. 
You see, when the devil brought the liberal church into existence and when the devil sold people to Bill of Good and where you can go and just join and just drop by once in a while and when you die, you'll have the social status of them saying, and they were a member of this and so on the Baptist church or whatever church, whatever the name is. Now, you know, that's about all somebody wants is just a place for somebody to say they were a member of the church when they die. And to have a preacher that'll come over there and conduct their funeral and say great flowering words about him and say kind things about him and so on like that. That's about the only thing. That's about all anybody wants. And of course, when they're sick and go to the hospital, and they say, and which church do you attend? And they draw up with great dignity. Oh, we attend this and that and the other. And the truth of the matter is, most of them haven't been in so long they wouldn't know what the pastor looked like if they'd meet him on the street. All they want is a social status of being a member of a church. But beloved, I want to tell you something. I've come to believe with all my heart, body, and soul that the greatest organism on the face of this earth is the church of Jesus Christ. I believe this. I believe that if we had to give up every credit card we had, if we had to sell our cars, if we had to do everything in the world, I believe the last thing that we ought to do away with is our church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe we need that. I believe we need it for instructions. I believe we need, as I mentioned to you in January, I believe I need to be taught how to handle finances. I need to be taught how to deal with my family. I need to be taught how my relation with God. I need to be taught what's going to happen to me when I die. I need to be taught how to deal with my fellow man. I need to be taught everything that the Word of God has. I'm saying to you, I believe from the depths of my soul that the church is more important than anything else on the face of this earth. I believe that you and I ought to stand up and say, brother, I'm glad to be an American, but I'm proud to be a member of a church born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, and a member of a fundamental Bible-preaching church. I think it's the greatest thing in the world that you and I can ever have. Brother, we ought to be proud of it. We ought to be something down inside of us that lives and says, I want God to give me a renewed love. I want God to give me a renewed desire to serve my church and to work in my church and to make much of it and do everything I possibly can. Brother, I'll tell you there are some things there that we can understand and get in our mind. Did you know there's an advantage of the commissioned person in the church? Brother, when God saves you and places you in the church, God puts you on the rolls of the, the highest honor that God can bestow upon a man. I'll be honest with you, brother, when all the presidents, and I respect them, when all the statesmen and the politicians, when all these have gone by the wayside, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is still going to be standing. When every social club to which you remember and every place that you frequent and every club that you uh, might attend and every place that you may go for recreation when they've long since crumbled into the dust, the church of Jesus Christ is still going to be marching triumphantly. Oh, beloved, I owe something to the church that I don't owe to anything else on the face of this earth. It was through the church that I was saved. It was through the church that I was licensed to preach and through the church that I was baptized and through the church that I was ordained and through the church that I was taught the word of God and through the church that men and women who loved me taught me the word and, and strengthened me and it was through a church that sponsored a school where I received my education and my training to be a minister of Jesus Christ. I'll be honest with you, beloved. We ought to have a, we ought to say, oh God, in this Christmas season, don't let anything come in between me and the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ and how he loved the church. And this is my identification with him down here. And I want to love the church. I want to make much of it. I want to attend it. I want to be part of it. You know, it bothers me when I realize that tonight, 
I've got to compete with whatever programs that'll be on television. It bothers me to know that when these 12 young men giving their lives over to God, sold out to God completely, doing what God wants them to do, will come here to sing tonight and some of you will be home watching a television program, taking it easy because you don't appreciate the church of Jesus Christ. You know why you won't be here tonight? Because you've been conned by the devil. The devil will whisper in your ear tonight. He says, now listen, I'll take you in the confidence. You've been once today. In fact, as you may have been twice, you went to Sunday school and church. Don't become a fanatic about this. And after all, 12 boys singing, 12 preacher boys after, you can hear that after all. And you know that story on television, boy, that's going to be a ring-tailed doosie. And most of you, because he can con you, will sit home tonight watching television rather than being in the house of God. And that goes for you listening on the radio just as well as the people right here. I'm saying tonight, I believe that I believe you ought to vote to keep the doors open in every church. And I believe you do every time you walk in. I believe you ought to take your Bible in essence and hold it up in your hand and say, bless God, as for me and my Bible, I'm going to the house of God. I don't believe it ought to be a debatable question. I don't believe you ought to sit there and, and grumble around and say, boy, I hope so-and-so's over before I have to leave. I believe you ought to say the greatest thing can happen to me tonight is to be in the house of God. I'll be honest with you, beloved, when you come that the devil has conned you about the church and he's conned you about all these things and the fellowship that you have in him. You know where you need fellowship? You need fellowship in the church of Jesus Christ. You know why you'll get away from Jesus? You get to fellowship in those folk out there that don't go to church. You say, Brother Hudson, I'm strong. I never will forget, and I go back so far that you won't think I'm trying to uh, say somebody that you know here because I try to avoid personal illustration because you take these things into confidence. I remember many years ago, a young man was in our church, and he started running around with an unsaved man. I mean, just every day. It wasn't like witnessing him. He was running around with him. One day I called him in, and I said, Brother so-and-so, I said, I've noticed you've been fellowshipping with that fellow, and I said, I'm a little concerned about it. Oh, he said, Brother Hudson, don't you worry about me. Man, he said, I'm going to get that fellow. Oh, he said, I, I'm prayed up. I'm, I'm going to get that fellow. But he's going with him all the time. Now, it wasn't like going to his house and witnessing to him. It wasn't like, so, look, brother, I want you to go to church and Sunday school with me and maybe having a meal with him. That's not what I'm talking about. It was, just, you know, they were together all the time. You'd see him, they'd be, wah, 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 you know, running around, ha, 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 laughing. You'd see him in the car, you know, and I said, hey, brother, you better watch out. Oh, he said, don't you worry, brother Hudson. Why? He said, I, I'll take care of him. I'll get him. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. The other fellow got him. And he dropped out of church. He went into a life of sin. Got in a life of sin and got him some problems. And that young man who stood there and said to me, Brother, don't worry about me, Brother Hudson. I can get him. Served time in prison because he went along with that young man. I'm going to tell you, brothers, birds of a feather are flocked together. Let me watch you who you're running with, and I'll tell you your spiritual temperature. Did you know it? Doctors have thermometers. Did you, know, did you know Christians have thermometers too? Watch the crowd people are running with. People usually seek out their intellectual level and their spiritual level. Did you know it? Spiritual level. The Bible always teaches it's strange, isn't it? And you get to run in with a crowd that's not in fellowship with the Lord, not in fellowship with the church, and the first thing you know, you'll find it easier to stay out of the house of God. And then I'll tell you something else he'll con you about. He'll con you about who you are and where you came from and what you're going to be. Timothy, when he was, or pardon me, Paul, when he was writing the Timothy in his first letter, he said, take heed unto thyself and unto thy doctrine. Did you know you're more important than what you know? Because what you know uh, means what you are. 
You don't have to tell anybody what you believe because you live what you believe. If you don't go on visitation, don't tell anybody you believe in visitation because you don't believe in it. If you're not anxiously looking and awaiting the second coming of Jesus Christ, don't tell anybody you believe in the second coming of Jesus because you don't. Because what you are and what you do reveals what you believe in your heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And as a result of it, it bubbles up out of a heart. It becomes part of our action. If you don't believe in watching filth on television, if you say you don't, then you don't watch it. If you watch it but say you don't, then you've been conned by the devil. That's what I'm saying. Now, the thing that you need to get in your heart and mind is this. Beloved, we need to know ourselves. That's what he's saying. Take heed unto thyself and unto thy doctrine. You see, it still comes back to what the Lord had to say about the home and he talked about it. And he says, Moses, uh, when he told us about Moses, he told us about his mother and what she was doing before he ever introduced us to Moses. And he said the same thing with Samuel and with Samson all the way through the Bible. You can find it. And the thing that you need to do, there's two basic things you need to do. The devil, if, if there's two main ways that he'll get you. First of all, he'll get you with opposition. He'll get you with opposition. I can almost classify any way he'll get you with these two things. The first one's opposition. People begin to oppose you. Get some opposition in your home. Opposition in your family. Opposition from your friends. Opposition where you work. And many times, opposition will get you. And the devils are whispering all the time. Now, if you're really right with God, all this wouldn't happen. It'll embitter your spirit. And the first thing you know, you become like that. You'll begin to lash back. You'll begin to get bitter. You'll begin to say after a while, it's just a little bit of truth. The Arabs have a great truth. And they say, if you let a camel put his nose in your tent, it isn't long until his head's in. If you let him put his head in, he gets his shoulders in. If he gets his shoulders in, then he gets the hump in. If he gets his hump in, he's all the way in. They said the thing to do is never let a camel get his nose in the tent. Now, beloved, what he's saying here, he'll get you by embittering your spirit or he'll get it by puffing up your spirit by what we call popularity. You let a person think they're popular. Let a person think they're, they're the kind of the cock of the walk. And every time, it's the confidence of the devil has pulled you aside and says, man or woman, boy, you've really got it. I mean, after all, and the devil will pull you down from inside. He'll get you. He's the confidence man of all the ages. God said, did it. Then, if you don't, he'll get you by resentment. I wonder how many people today, maybe not in church, you resent the death of that loved one. You resent it. Down in your soul, there's still bitter resentment. Why did God take my wife? Why did God take my husband or my son or my daughter or my brother or my sister? Why mine? Why did I have to go just so recently to the cemetery? Why did I have to go? Why did it have to be me? And you build a resentment that every time comes from the devil. Many times uh, we resent promotion of another. Somebody else will get promoted and we'll absorb it for a while, but after a while it eats like a canker. And the devil keeps whispering, why didn't they promote you? Why wasn't it you? Why did they pass over you? You're as good as they are. And he hammers and hammers and hammers. He's the con man of all the ages. Then sometimes financial situation. Why is it that you love the Lord and tithe and you try to do everything that's right? Over here there's somebody that doesn't do all those things and it looks like they're just having a great time financially and you're having to watch every penny and sometimes bitterness creeps into your heart. 
And sometimes you resent it. And sometimes you don't like it. I know who's been to your house. The greatest con man who's ever lived. And he's tried to sell you a bill of good. The Bible says in the Psalms, he says, Fret not thyself because of the evildoer. When he shall spread his, uh, you know, his uh, leaves like a great bay tree. Don't, don't worry about that. His end's coming. And then sometimes people, because of physical defects, they say, why me, Lord? Why me? They don't understand it. Sometimes people hard of hearing. Sometimes people difficulty seeing. Sometimes people with a lame leg or whatever it is. And sometimes they built up deep-seated resentment and begins to work on them psychologically and begins to work on them subconsciously and begins to work on them and cause them to be even worse than they are to be in because they resent the physical disabilities or whatever it is that the Lord may have in his infinite mercy known that you needed to keep you down to where he can work with you and you resent it. And the devil comes to you as a con man. You know who the devil always point out? He'll always point out a well man or a woman and says, look at them, ungodly people usually. And he says, look at them. They don't serve the Lord. Wonder why you're not like they are. And he'll give it to you. Beloved, the thing that you need to understand, let no man deceive you by any means. That means any way that you can think of. Don't be deceived. You need to center your heart and mind upon Jesus Christ. And you need to center, I believe, in the age that's the days that's ahead of us. I believe you need to center your heart and mind on the church of Jesus Christ as you've never centered it before in your life. I believe that God's going to speak through the church in these last days and advise you what to do, how to do, where to go. I believe God's going to do it through the local church. I cannot, I will not let down on the local church. I must. I need the local church. I care nothing about these other things. How great and how grandeur it may appear. I do not want that. I want the local church. That's where God's going to speak to us in the last days. Ask God to put something down in your soul that'll give you respect for the church like he has for the flag and give you respect for the church like he has for motherhood and apple pie in America. Ask God to give you something even deeper and to realize that above anything else on the face of this earth, you need the church of Jesus Christ. Let's stand together the heads bowed, Father. We thank you for listening to the Making Much of Jesus podcast. If this sermon was a blessing to you, please share and invite others to listen. And join us next time for the Making Much of Jesus podcast.